Lloyd, welcome Thank to you, man. the Man Cave Podcast. You had to look then, didn't you? Huh? You yeah, had I had to check to, yeah. Man Cave Podcast. I still can't actually believe uh, we're here. It's if I'm being honest with you. It's, uh, yeah, it's it pretty is crazy. It's very surreal, to be honest. Considering it's four months? Yeah. Is it just over four months? Yeah, just over four. Um, yeah, it's been a journey. I can't, the thing for me is I can't get over just how many men need it. Do you know what I mean? To see it go from, the launch was a little bit of a... It was a launch. It was like a celebration, exactly. right? People showed up yeah. because it was happening. And then after that, you had, it got quiet. So I went, yeah, I got wind of it at the launch. Yeah. And I wasn't able to make it the second time. I think it actually happened on a Wednesday as opposed to the Monday. And then when it happened on the Monday again, there was how many people? What, the first meeting? Not the first, not, yeah, the first one, but not the launch. Yeah, the first one. So yeah, it was the launch first. And then um, I think we had about nine, yeah. nine people turn up, which I thought was great. Yeah. But then it went down to three. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And I think okay. I showed up, it was about eight, nine again. Yeah. And then it just went. And now where are we? 67. <laughs> 67's our biggest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just gone literally from strength to strength. I think now on average over the last five weeks, it's about 57 to 58 yeah, men on average. And then the group chat is 100. 141. Mad. Crazy. Mad. Yeah, so it's um, it is a little bit surreal to be sat here after four months to have you know a podcast on, but I think the it's important. It has to be because we need to reach as many people as possible. Yeah, and only being open effectively on a Monday in one venue. In one venue, in one which city. by the way, the venue. Venice wow, so like wow. Yeah, Big yeah. shout out to, to Amy, Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially Natalie for everything she's done for us. All them hours. Like, just, I guess, uh, she supported the cause and Amy supported the cause. But from someone who's come from, you know, recovery meetings, mm-hmm. a recovery background, and I've gone to, I think, in excess of a thousand recovery meetings. Wild. You know, That's it's crazy. this venue compared to those. It, it, it's amazing to see the space and to see, like you just said before we were yeah, starting shooting, saying, it's that that makes it feel warm. It facilitates that warmth, that lightness. Yeah. We can come in here and talk about heavy things. Yeah. But it doesn't feel so heavy. No. And also it facilitates connection too. When we come in and you're meeting new men who've yeah. never been here before and it's just all smiles and love. And I feel like, I do feel like the environment makes up a massive, like, it, it contributes massively to how that energy just comes through. Definitely. Especially like we're relaxing with the big yeah, bags. Yeah. Like even this setup is like... Yeah, oh, have you noticed I have one of these chairs every week? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and I keep trying to get a beanbag. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always like, oh, You're I too, just don't make it. I'm you too- get too late or I put you on the door yeah. greeting people. Um, don't do me like that. Well, look, thank you for, for everything you've obviously done for the Man Cave so far. Um, because it's funny, because I actually followed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For my first year in recovery, I was on Instagram trying to find people who would inspire me, people who, as soon as I came across your page, it's actually Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch, um, Mitch, my guy, man. Uh, he's awesome. Yeah, really awesome guy. And he said, look, follow this page. And um, when you reached out to me to say, like, how do I get involved? I just knew that you'd bring a different type of energy. Mm. And... That's obviously why I asked you to be on the committee. Yeah. Um, and again, thank you for everything you do in terms of, you know, things in the background for us. Um, but let's get into it. The reason why I wanted you on the committee is because of your content, yeah. what it is that you're so experienced in, yeah. knowledgeable about, um, which tell everyone what that is. So on line, so Instagram was where you followed me. Yeah. It was wild. Because I reached out to Man Cave and you were like, you follow me, but yeah. obviously on your personal page. Yeah. So I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit like, oh, this is so good. Like I've already <laughs> got it in. Yeah. And then I come to the Man Cave. But I come to the Man Cave as someone who is interested in mental health. Because yeah. what I do online is I I label myself as a self-love coach, counselor, and public speaker. Mm-hmm. Um self-love is just something it's very intuitive for me. I have a really good relationship with everyone around me and that starts with my relationship with myself. With counselling, that was actually something, I'm not going to lie, my 
like formalizing that occupation come from the man cave. I weren't primarily focused on counseling. Really? I was going to be doing public speaking and maybe doing workshops. But then when I come to the man cave and I was like, there's so many men here who need one-to-one mm. like attention and also it's something I am experiencing but not qualified in. Yeah. So then I was like, you know, I'm going to double down on getting all my qualifications. I've got yep. the experience. I know I can do it. I've got a couple of meetings with some therapists, some counsellors who can yep. supervise me through some of my sessions. Yeah. But yeah, so primarily what I do, counselling, I'm probably going to get rid of the self-love coach tag. I'm just okay. going to be a self-love content creator. Yeah. And then, yeah, public speaking, I'd love to do more of that. Yeah. I didn't even know that because like, we've actually not really had much of an opportunity to, to get to know each yeah, other. which is wild. Yeah. It's, Considering the four months, it's our, like, right, I, I need you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is what I want you to do. Are you in? You're like, I'm very, in. Yeah, it's all, it was all <laughs> connection. It was like, I know yeah. what you're about. You know what I'm about? Yeah. Let's roll. Exactly. Um, but yeah, back to kind of like the reason why I followed you is because first year recovery, you really are trying to find yourself. You're, you're trying to get rid of the, the guilt shame, embarrassment, everything that comes along with addiction. Yeah. And it's learning to love yourself again. Yeah, it's and, adopting um, that compassion, right? Mm. And allowing yourself to heal. I've never personally had issues with addiction, but I know that... So one of my friends, she's incredibly intuitive with stuff like healing as well, and she said, um, addiction is the opposite to connection. Yeah. So a lot of people feel like they have to find substances or even activities that they can subscribe to consistently because it's there. Yeah. And usually that comes from, correct me if I'm wrong, lack of connection. You just feel like you're not connected to yourself or connected to people around you or you feel, I guess, lost in some regard. But Yeah, you you do hear that. You do hear, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection and that is is completely true. But I think that it rings true for every mental health challenge going. Yeah. Um, specifically to addiction, for me, it's more about filling a void yeah. in yourself, which I guess is the same as not being yeah. connected to yourself. If you don't feel connected, that will happen. Yeah, having like pockets of uncertainty where you're just like, I need to do something with this. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's also not being aware, like, because another thing you do is obviously about not just self-love, but self-awareness. Self-awareness, yeah. And that's kind of the key yeah, just know for me in my recovery is actually going through therapy and learning how I'm wired. Yeah. Learning what my core traumas are. Learning what makes me tick. Yeah, identifying those blind are. spots. Yeah. Because you can think about, by, you, by yourself, you can think about yourself all of the time if you really mm. want. But then the perspective you have is not going to allow you to see the back of your head. Yeah. So you need someone or the tools to be able to be like, okay, that's what's going on. Mm. And also being honest with yourself. So integrity, having those values that are like, I need to really show up, be honest with myself, because otherwise I'm not going to be real. I'm not going to be authentic. I'm not going to be able to show up. Yeah. So yeah, self-awareness and self-love. And I feel like that is the foundation for any relationship with anything anywhere. Yeah. Whether it's with other people or again, substances, your occupation, the world. We have to develop a relationship with yourself when you give up drinking drugs yeah because i think a lot of people think about addiction and they think that it's a problem with substances or drinking drugs my problem wasn't with drinking drugs that was was my solution to my problem okay yeah yeah, which was me Mm. how i viewed myself how i was not aware about you know what had happened to me in my past in my childhood and how that was then playing out in my present yeah. And um, so, yeah, you really do have to develop uh, a relationship with yourself and learn to love yourself again. Um, one thing I do know that is so hard. <laughs> like, so, yeah. diff- this is probably the most difficult thing. Giving up drinking drugs is easy, it, it's s- staying exactly. off them. Staying off them. That's okay. the, the bit that's tricky because life presents so many obstacles and so many challenges to yeah. you. And if you're, if you've caught yourself in a moment where your self-worth's down, which is one of my childhood traumas, like all my life I've just had low self-worth. And if you find yourself in that moment and then the trigger comes along, you really have to be like, how am I going to get out of this? Do you know what I mean? And I guess it's, like I said, with the whole self-compassion thing, it's knowing that you, what you said in one of the meetings, I think it was this week even, knowing that you're going to be okay. Faith. Faith. faith yeah. And not faith to anything, 
Just yeah, fake. Because we had a chat after the meeting, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, because we because I was like, you know what? I think that's one of the reasons why I feel like I can continue to is just mm. having that faith, just knowing that you can't be certain of everything. Yeah. But if you can at least be certain that you're going to be okay, mm. I feel like it helps keep you st- stood up. Yeah, I just wish I, like I said in, in the meeting, like, I just wish I had that tool year one. Yeah. Because... I mean, I'm coming up to two years now clean and it's um, only probably in the last three, four months that I've developed this faith. Yeah. Um, That when I am feeling low or worthless or... Because it is, with anything, developing a a connection to yourself takes time and it takes practice. It's not just something you don't wake up one. It's not passive. I love myself, Mm. but it doesn't happen. You can scream that all you want, but unless you try to understand why or believe it, then it doesn't really take. Yeah. And um, obviously when practicing that will come moments where you do have a a bit of a dip. And um, yeah, it's those dips that I then instantly just turn to that faith. Like every every time I say it, people go, must think I'm religious. Yeah. yeah, I'm not religious in any way, shape or form. But I understand religion a whole lot better now. Because you understand what it does for people, right? Faith is faith. Faith. Doesn't matter what you believe in, if you can if you have that ability to hand it over, yeah. The things you can't control. Submit and accept. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how much that does for you. So I understand and respect religion on the whole because that's what it's that's what it's supposed to do for people it's supposed to provide people with that blueprint mm. it's like they're like the first self-help books i guess yeah and they did it as a community as well it wasn't just an individual thing it's like how do we do it as a community which again back to the connection thing it's one thing man cave has done for me is put me in a community that i didn't really know i needed because mm. yeah let's talk about that let's talk about your experience with the man cave kind of from when you first joined to to where you are now? So I guess, funny enough, my story with the man cave was so interesting. If I was to start with like a little like prelude of, okay, here I am, like on my own, doing my own thing on my own journey. Yeah. I, wore, I wasn't uncertain about what direction I wanted to go. I was uncertain how I was going to bring it offline. Because yeah. that was one thing that was so accessible to everyone is you can be whoever you want online. Yeah. I was like, how do I manifest it in reality? How do I bring that into the real That's world? That's another conversation for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> about fair, yeah how that right. affects you mentally. But, yeah. yeah, so I got sent the man cave. And this is, this is funny because this is a theme too. I got sent the man cave by a woman. Yeah, A woman sent me the man cave. was like, this looks like something you'd be into. And I was like, mm. it's exactly what I'd be into. And then it was from that moment that I messaged mm. the man cave. And I've been having a lot of conversations. So I'm not going to lie, buzzing when you message. Honestly. Because I've been like watching all of your content. Honestly, I was like, this guy I has was, to come As on. soon as you said, oh, I follow you, I was like, is it? Oh, yeah. listen, I'm in. Because yeah. I wanted to be a part of the man cave as it grew. Because I've always thought about like groups and support networks. And I've always been too busy. I've, I've been thinly sliced. I was so in so many different places mm. that I was like, I'm unable to muster anything like this. And I couldn't have done it anyway because it wasn't... What, you mean start it? Like start a group. I couldn't even start a group because yeah. I didn't know who I wanted to support primarily. I want to support yeah, everyone. Yeah. I just want to yeah. be out here loving everybody. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. So the group came about. I was like, I want to be a part of it. And every time I missed it, I was like, I need to go. I need to go. And because I worked in hospitality, I used to work in a nightclub where a lot of the things that I was involved with and involved in hearing was very much female-centric. The challenges they have with men, all this kind of stuff. And then from that, I had a lot of conversations with men about men. But I also had to make sure I wasn't too biased hearing too much of a female perspective and yep. vilifying men. Because I understand there is major differences in the way we operate. Yep. And then the man cave come about. And I was like, what a wonderful space. Mm. I had a conversation with my, my friend who come with me to the first meeting. And we have lots of like gender-centric conversations. And then when I come to the man cave, one of the, the best things I, I learned very quickly was it wasn't, about, it wasn't about your gender. It was just about providing a safe space for those who don't have it. Because I think, I think people just forget that men don't have safe spaces like that. They've been conditioned to not be able to share their feelings. Yeah. And a lot of the reasons why men seem to struggle with their feelings because it gets 
weaponized against them. Yep. Because it's not manly or that it's not stoic enough or that it doesn't illustrate strength. It's and a it's, stigma, isn't it, of being weak? Yeah. And, um, and I'll tell you something, vulnerability is not a weakness. It's absolutely a strength. Strength is It's bravery. so difficult. It, it requires so much courage. And someone who's vulnerable is more likely to experience a second wind, to be able to stand up, to, op, like, to reach that faith. Mm. So that's what they'll experience if they're able to be vulnerable because they're being honest with themselves. They're being self-aware. Yeah. Being vulnerable is also a behaviour of self-love. You're showing up. Mm. So, yeah, it was literally... It was like a dream. Mm. It was like, this is unreal. And then I was like... To a lot of my friends, I was like, I feel like... I feel like I'm, I'm still dreaming because it's growing. It's happening. There's so many people who aren't a part of the self-help space yeah. because they, people look at that like it's a genre on its own. But the point is it's supposed to provide everyone with the tools and the opportunities to work. And then, yeah, the man cave just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And then the committee happened oh, and you were like, Lord, you're part of it. And I'm like, yo, yeah, I'm so happy. I'm so honoured as well. Thank you no, you're welcome, for having me on the committee right. and also inviting me onto the podcast. Yeah, it's quite overwhelming. Where I bumped into um, bumped into a friend I used to work with mm. in the petrol station um, about a week or two ago, and she was like, "It's so like crazy how much it's grown." And we were talking about the like the amount of men coming through, but then she said in the same breath how sad it was. Mm. And it is. It's mm. like a catch twenty two situation. Like you want to create a group and a community and a brotherhood, which is exactly what it's become. And you want to be able to to provide that for our community, but then you actually look and go, it's bloody sad that there yeah. are that many men. And how that, quickly it's growing as well. Look at how many regulars as well. Yeah. Like if you were to say out of the 60 people, like 40 to four, probably 40 to 45 of those every Monday every yeah. come without fail because and a lot of them, I don't know whether you've heard them say this, is it sets them up for the week. Yeah, yeah. So it's really kind of a, like I said, catch 22, because you're like, I'm so glad you're here, but, but I'm sad to see you here because yeah, yeah. it's like, why, what's happened? Because yeah. you know if someone walks through that door, they've got something going on, but I'm just so grateful that they're no longer out in the, yeah. you know, out in the cold, so to speak, because they now have they that have safe somewhere. space where they can, and wow, come on, like how beautiful is it to see so many men open up yeah like, and what they open up um, about yeah as well like i think people expect it to be like violent orientated or like mm. it, i don't know i don't know some people seem to think it must be like ignorant shares like okay what they're sharing about is trivial it's not a real issue but it is feelings of i don't feel like i'm loved i don't feel like yep. i belong i don't yep. feel like i'm being heard or understood and it's the same issues i think everyone goes through yeah and like you said it is a catch-22 because the fact that it's grown so quickly means that it was so needed. Yeah. The fact that it was so needed means there was no support. Yeah. But one thing I have noticed with the shares, it there, especially this week, it was a lot more reflecting on the beginning of the journey. Here's yeah. where I am now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in control. And I think that's the greatest thing about Man Cave is it can be used like therapy, like any other tool which helps you bolster your mental health. It's used even when you're good. Even when you're good, you still show up. Do you know what I love? Is that you've got people who have been through certain situations mm. and have done the work. They've done therapy. They've, they've gone through their own individual healing process. And then you've got people who are right at the beginning. Mm. But the people who are at the beginning are identifying with the people who have gone through the journey and then applying that yeah. to their own. Yeah. And then we get to know a bit about them at the beginning, but then that stays there. They've all realised that this is where the journey begins. Yeah. And then what I love is that they, they, they're vulnerable when they're going through a certain challenge, but a lot of the time they celebrate their little wins, yeah. just their little wins that put them that one step closer to... Where they want to be. Where they want to be. And um, yeah, I don't know when it was. I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago. I just sat there in a meeting and everyone was sharing. I was just like, I'm so grateful that this is here mm. because the reason why I started it was to help myself yeah. and everyone. Yeah. Because 
I couldn't be the only man feeling what you feeling depressed, having suicidal thoughts. Mm. And I didn't want to go back to a format that didn't work for me yeah. in, a, in a recovery setting. Because the other thing about recovery is that, like I said, giving up the drink and drugs part is just the first step. Mm. Then you've got to deal with the overthinking, being overwhelmed, the, press, uh, the stress, the pressure, the, the feelings, the emotions. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and they cause mental health challenges, you know, yeah. because of personal situations as well, the effects that your addiction have had. And so for me, it was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to start something specific to drugs yeah. or alcohol or recovery. It's got to be a wider spectrum. And the amount, I didn't know that we would have such a wide variety of people going through different things. It's so, it's so much. It's like crazy. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know why people, we, we, everyone, tends to acknowledge, yeah, everyone's got their issues yeah. and they're all different. But when you sit in a circle where people tell you their situation and you're like, mm. I've been here since the beginning, well, practically, and there's the, I still hear things now I've never heard before. Yeah, I've been doing counselling unofficially in some capacity. I've been supporting people for years. Mm. Like my first experience in, in counselling was as a teenager at 14, I was a peer mentor, which is where you counsel younger kids. And even stuff I haven't heard in my whole lifetime. Yeah. There's so much going on in the man cave that I, was, I couldn't even imagine that that was an issue that someone would... It's a surprising thing is that you don't expect to hear it from that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, wow. Whoa, yeah. I never expected that to come out of your yeah. mouth. But how brave. Yeah. And I'm the work, still the so shocked at how brave people are. The courage they show. To and talk about those things. The resilience. even Because a lot of them as well, they don't talk to receive help it's not what it is it's they know talk is help mm. they know that sharing does help and I think that's another thing that it's taught me is like I like to talk I like to listen um, but I've never as much as I believe I've been vulnerable I think Man Cave has also let me know different levels of vulnerability mm. like even sharing your wins your love that all counts as vulnerability letting people in but also just knowing that talking allows you to manage that information differently. When you hear yourself yeah. say it, you're just like, oh, I can hear solutions. I don't have to hear solutions, I can hear them. Mm. Me saying it is allowing me to identify where problem points may be. It's the thing that I think a lot of people, I'm still receiving a lot of messages um, from people online saying, I don't want to come along to check, so I'm not ready to share. Yeah. And I'm trying to tell people, like, it, you get, just as much from listening yeah. that you do sharing. I don't share often. No. But the amount of reflection I, I do on, did. on the walk. <laughs> well, the thing is... That's, I wish you shared more. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the thing. There's a... So for me, there's a guilt in sharing because... Okay. Because of how... Let's dive into that. Relative to everyone else. Yeah. Where I'm at. Yeah. Because the variety of where people are at. Mm. There is something, and I know other man cavers may feel it, is you might feel like your problem is not a real problem. Because the severity of problems that may come up. Yeah, but that's why I always say at the beginning of every meeting, my pain is my pain and, and your, your pain, pain is yours. yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know, that's... you can't compare that pain because we had a lot of that at the beginning. Yeah. Or like, people would come up we to me and meet in. Did they come up to you as well at the beginning, yeah. like early days, going, I didn't want to share because my problems aren't I, as I, bad I just, as his. I just feel like, like I've got a problem now. And I feel like yeah. some of the people, I feel like unfortunately, we do lose certain men when mm. they come first time, they hear these problems, they don't share themselves. Yeah. But then they don't come back because they're like, oh, it's, it's quite heavy. Yeah. But you still benefit from coming. Like, even though I don't share necessarily in the circle, I go home and I'm writing. I'm journal, like, I've never journaled in my life. Yeah. But now I'm journaling. I'm writing down my thoughts. I'm reflecting. And I've even got an idea to create my own journal where it, it, there's prompts in it so that mm. you know what questions to ask yourself. But yeah. It's made me more vulnerable. I think as well, there was a point where I couldn't make it to some of the man caves, end up sharing on my Instagram story. I was just like, this is where I'm at today. Yeah. And people were like, oh yeah, yeah. So many man cavers showed up, was like, love that share. Mm -hmm. And it's such a good thing. Like, oh, that was a good share today. Like yeah. very brave, very courageous. I love it when people, like as I go up to, to everyone I can. Yeah, yeah. Because I think- you've Got those 30 minutes where you've got to connect yeah, with everyone before you get yeah, kicked out. Yeah, I need out. to finish the meeting yeah. early because- 
but I don't want to like reduce the sharing time because yeah. I want to go up to each and every single person that did and didn't yeah. and give Connect. them a, a hug and just yeah. let them know like you're a fucking warrior yeah. for coming through those doors. It's, it takes a lot. There's so many people, a similar story, a similar arc is some people who come for the first time or even a second, third time, if they've got feelings of anxiousness, they always say, I was sat in the car and I wasn't going to come up. Mm, I yeah. wasn't going to come up or I was like, yeah. oh, I was outside the other week. I didn't come in, but this week I'm here. And it's yeah. like, I know how intimidating and how hard it must be to bring yourself upstairs where... Especially now there's like 60 people Yeah, a week. that can't be easy. But Bring a friend. Time, yeah. Just bring a friend. And I guarantee that that friend will benefit as well, even if they're not mm. coming for themselves. Because, yeah, I came knowing that I'm, I'm, I've kind of got the tools and I know how to implement them quick enough and seamlessly enough that actually... Sharing does help me, but I'm usually sharing after I've processed. Whereas for a lot of people, sharing may be part of the process. And I like that. You know, I've, yeah, yeah, I've never, I mean? yeah. So, and I feel, but that's the point is that talking helps. Sharing mm. at any point is part of the process. It may be at the later end of my process, but it's still part of my process. I think I do a lot of processing while sharing. Well, everyone now knows in the man cave that I have my safe place in my house, which yeah, is the yeah. bottom of my stairs. Yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah. make a coffee and I'll sit and I'll get comfortable and I'll sit there because I don't want to process emotions in certain rooms because yeah, I want them to be where I sleep, where yeah. I relax, where I turn, switch off. So the bottom of the stairs you is You know, you're always moving on the stairs. well comfy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I sit there and I process it and I think that when I then share is me confirming yeah. that and letting it out. Yeah, nice. You know what I mean? Nice. But I, I do like what you just said then. Like, it is for some people. And, and the thing is, everyone's different. Yeah. There is no right or wrong it's to what healing yeah. and experiencing these challenges, whatever it be, depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, yep. you know, recovery, uh, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be anything. And, you know, how I deal with depression mm. compared to how other people would deal with depression two separate different yeah. things. Yeah, and they might, and the tools Completely. that you use might not work as effectively for them. And I think that's the lesson that is being taught yeah. at the man cave, is that, you know, you do you. Yeah, bring Just your tools. do you. Use your tools, and it's it's all a trial and error thing, yeah. isn't it? It's all trial and error, and it's all finding what works for you and then yeah. letting go of what doesn't work for you, which for me in, in the recovery thing with my addiction was dangerous. Yeah, because yeah. every relapse was, you know, hurting the people that I loved, hurting my family, and putting me one step closer to potentially dying, overdose. You yeah. know, um, there's high stakes when it comes thoughts. to yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the only way that I did is finding what worked for me because a lot, I was given a lot of direction and I was yeah. given a lot of do this, yeah. do what I did, and yeah. it's like. Okay, I'll try it. Yeah. But it didn't work. What, and you have to find what works for what you, right? What tool would you say works best or set of tools worked best for you? Something that you might resort to consistently. Doesn't even have to be on a particularly bad Psychotherapy. Day. Psychotherapy? 100%. Cool. Um, I've done that since I was in rehab um, three and a half years ago. I've had a couple of breaks, tactical breaks. Yep. Um, for, I think the, the longest break I had was about three, four months. Yeah. Um, and then a, another one about a few months ago for a couple of months because the things that I was going through and processing at that point were heavy. Yeah. Like very heavy. And it was too much mm. with my personal situation currently. But yeah, psychotherapy, definitely. Um, Sharon. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, my circle, Liam, Zach, Craig, uh, Mitch, yeah. Matty from the gym, like constantly phoning and letting my feelings out. Like, mate, I'm, I'm lost, I'm confused, I'm scared. And that's another reason why the man cave was... Like you know, the idea. Yeah, the idea came from, like, I want to create what I've got in terms of my circle. This is literally On a just, wider scale. Yeah, it's like an extrapolation from one of the tools yeah. that work best. And clearly it is a tool that works for a lot of people. Yeah. It's just opening channels. Because even if people don't share, like we said, sitting in a room where people are sharing how they get through things, what they're getting through. Mm. I feel like our healing can become incredibly intuitive. Like we can identify 
what will work and what won't work quite quickly, I feel. Yeah. For a lot of people, at least. I know some people are completely out of the depth when it comes to healing because they've never thought of healing as something active. Because you hear that bar. A lot of people don't that, think that they need to heal. That's what's up. You hear, <laughs> you, know what I mean? you hear that saying, time heals all wounds. Yeah. Not without a work, it won't. Like, you need to do something active. Mm. You need to do... For me, I think the tools that have always helped, and it's, it's something I tricked myself into, I think, is positive self-talk. And this is, I guess, why... As in affirmations? Kind of. Yeah. Because I don't... See, that didn't work. Yeah. I tried that. The it's, whole, I'm confident, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, proud, yeah. I am strong. It's, and less, like, it's oh, less the affirmations. It's, and to be honest, it's less the outward vocalisation. It's yeah. the inner dialogue. I never... Two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I'm getting what you're saying, yeah. correct. But they're all part of self-talk. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's that part of the self-talk. The inner critic. I, I, yeah. My inner critic loves me. Or what um, one of the members... The script. The script. Mark, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. script, the voice, the narrative. Yeah. Uh, the chimp, if you read Chimp Paradox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that kind of stuff. Um, Logic versus emotion. Yes. And then there's the computer, isn't it? The computer, the computer yeah. is... Like you got the computer and the gremlins, which are yeah, yeah that's yeah. a mad book. Yeah, sick. I'm not gonna lie, though, I've only read like the first third of it. Yeah, I read it. I read it once because I know. So I've got family who deal with like some serious mental health, mm. like depression, anxiety, other things as well. And I read these books to understand them. I want to make sure I'm on their levels on their way. Books. So Give us a list of books. So a list of books would be. Um, so Chimp Paradox is one. Yeah. I read Jay Shetty's Thing Like a Monk. Love Jay Shetty. That was more so to see what tools he was offering, yeah. which is all very much, it's all very connection orientated. Yeah. Community, serve. Um, there's a few around gaslight, I think is how to tell if you're being gaslit, like books like that, mm. which are just, they're not as renowned. They're literally just like audio books on Audible. Yeah. Um, books that I've read that have helped as well is stuff like, one of the books that actually brought me massive healing was The Courage to Be Disliked. And the way the book is framed is, is a conversation between a philosopher and his student. Yeah. And essentially, I would encourage everyone to read the book, but essentially what that book did for me was help me realise that there's no point... Like, okay, it's one thing to try and fool everybody else, but when you're fooling yourself, Why? For what reason? What do you mean by fooling yourself? You're not being honest with yourself, right? You make excuses as to why you're behaving a type of way or... Yep. So one thing that I always did was make excuses why I weren't doing what I wanted to do. I was working 60 hours in a hospitality venue, yep. like giving it all the energy. Everyone was vibing off my vibes because I'm, I'm, I'm an up guy. I've got very good energy, especially in an environment where everyone else is bringing their own good energy. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy to kind of reciprocate that. So... I was always like, yeah, I want to... At that point, it was training. I want to train people. I want to teach people how to communicate. So mm. I started a page called Charisma Coach, but that never would have happened without the courage to be disliked because I always mm. said, I ain't got enough time. I ain't got yeah, enough money. Yeah, yeah. Then COVID happened and then I yeah. was furloughed. I had all the time, <laughs> all the money, and I also got no Is that what you did, that what you did through COVID? Just like COVID. create a load of content? I read a lot of books first and then the Charisma Coach happened. Charisma coach evolved into the connection coach, which is what I technically was up until recently. Then I found mm. out connection coach was taken. And now I'm just LPD Incredible. Okay, well, let's talk more about LPD Incredible. LPD Incredible. Let's just talk... a good guy. I like him. He's, he's this guy. <laughs> let's talk about why you do what you do. Yeah. Okay, let's let's go one question at a time. Yeah. I'll ask them all at once. So have you heard have you heard this quote like that says, um, I think it was on a Mike Tyson podcast. Go on. Someone said something about no one knows how much violence it took to become this peaceful. peaceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look at you and I do think that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you are mysterious. Your past mm. or what has led you to who you want, it is me because it's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And it can be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew it, it was can, coming. I knew it, it was can coming, be man. slightly annoying. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't, Mate, this guy is yeah. just positive all yeah, the yeah, yeah. bloody time. Yeah. Like, but if you've been around this, like you just said, from the age of 14. Mm. So yeah, let me let me open up that, that can yeah. of worms, mate. Why what wanna, is it in your past? Well, uh, I think that 
for you to yeah. be where you are now, you have had to have gone through some level of pain, trauma, yeah. experiences, yeah, yeah, yeah. suffering, yeah. something along those lines. But I've never heard what it is. And I'm asking you now. Cool. So, um, my life's perfect. No, I'm just <laughs> So, yeah, okay, I guess, where would I start? Like, realistically, I don't think... So, I used to be convinced I had no trauma. Mm-hmm. I used to be convinced that, and then that was just me being very ignorant. And I guess kind of trying to flex how good my mood is all the time. But the reality of it is, is that the way I utilised my trauma was I didn't adopt a, like a victim mentality at any point, which yeah. I was just very fortunate not to do that. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was conscious. I wasn't like, I'm not going to be a victim. It's just I never happened to stumble upon that thought. But I... Sorry to interrupt you. Go on, sir. not be a coping mechanism to the trauma. Right. Uh, a, a block. Yes. Because I've met many people who do that. They just yes. go, didn't happen. Disassociation, like a dismissal, yeah, uh, yeah. repression. Yeah. And this is what... So, for the context of listeners, I did share about, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm happy all the time. Yes. And this is what I was trying to identify. I was trying to identify is what I'm doing. I might have just... Have I just got like a six... Have I got an incredible Swiss Army yeah. knife of coping mechanisms? Yeah. And I did have a very introspective look. And I think more realistically is that I think I've just adopted very healthy mechanisms and I've had a lot of support. I've always been surrounded by community. I've literally uploaded some content today mm. off the back of one of our meetings saying how grateful I am that I'm surrounded by so many incredible people. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't know, but for whatever reason right now, I'm so honed in. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many incredible people in my life and they've always been there for me. Um, so growing up, I guess, so some of the things I witnessed, bearing in mind, my family- I thought you were trying to avoid the question. No, 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 no. no. Back, I I'm thought back. I was like, mate, I'm no, going to no, get no. him off, off when we start. I'm no, like, no, 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 I'm back. Tell me. I'm back, I'm here. So growing up, um, my family is large and they've all got their own yeah. ways of dealing with things. Um, some of the things- so being a child, growing up, not having a clue, not having control of where I could be, some of the things I saw happen in my household was I saw my mum, like, fearful of leaving the house because who was going to come to the house? Didn't really have much context. Right. Um, I know my, my dad was very prolific in his seed-spreading conquest, right, okay, yeah. right? So there was women involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember distinctively having to hold a golf club to attack someone when I was young. Didn't, it didn't come what to that. Age? Uh, I must have been about five, six. Um, okay, so there. There's one, right? Yeah, scared, um, I didn't fearful. Know, so I was also, I didn't know who, I didn't know who was my dad, right? right when okay. I was, until about four or five. So there was a man who'd come in the house. He'd never been introduced to me as my dad. He was just a man, Yeah. right? He was also, don't know if you'd happen to realise I'm melanistically inclined. So he was a black man, right? <laughs> Didn't have much experience with black men yeah. at that age because I was my mum's white. Yep. My family on her side is white. So yeah. the only other people of colour I knew was my family, like mm-hmm. my, my brothers and that. So when this man come in, it's a little bit darker than we are. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of the night with his dreadlocks, scary <laughs> dreadlocks. Yeah. I was like, who is, what is happening? And then my mum's just like, yeah, by the way, this is your dad. Wow. And I'm like, okay, cool. At five. I like about five, four, five. And... So that used to scare me. And I, I particularly remember being such a scared child. Mm. I was so scared, scared of everything, scared of getting in trouble. So I was probably a people pleaser up into my teens. I can tell you exactly when my people pleasing tendencies were discarded. Like when I was like, no, no not doing it anymore. No more. What age? 14. 14. Yeah. My mum called me the C word yeah. as I left the house and it broke my heart because I did nothing but try. Yeah, All yeah, I did yeah. was just try and be a good kid. And for whatever reason, mum was particularly upset. And she, I, I was walking out of the house as being a kid and mm. she was like, and you, you can F off as well. You see word, right? Yeah. And I'm like. Oh, After you've been no. trying to give but, your yeah, love. Yeah, right. I'm just trying to be so a good kid. You know what I mean? Rejection. Rejection. There's neglect. Neglect. It, like So abandonment, also expectations are being yeah. subverted. So there's something there. Um, I went to. I knew start- you were human. Mate, and this is something I tried to, <laughs> I knew I tried you to were make human. a point. Like, because what I don't want to do is convince people I'm dismissive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like overly dismissive. I do have avoidant tendencies. Yep. But what I've realised is those tendencies are me avoiding things that are unnecessary. Mm. I won't get into unnecessary conflict. 
I will happily have conflict. I'm mm. really comfortable with conflict now. But when I was a people pleaser, didn't want to raise, didn't want raised voices around me, didn't want to hear threats of violence. Yep. Now I'm 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 cool. Like I'm so I know what tools I have, I know what I'm able to do. And I'm very self-assured in that. But even seeing my brothers go through stuff, my mum had a partner who when they broke up, he was like racist and stalkist. We we had to run from my house to my auntie's house at three o'clock in the morning. I thought it was a game. It was one of yeah. I remember saying on my story one time, it was one of my one of my fondest memories because I was like, yeah, man, go get to see my auntie like at three o'clock in the morning. It felt like a game. They're all up vibing. The household was full of comedians. So I was there at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, this is the best time of my life. But then in hindsight, you're like, yeah, you're kind of running away from mm. running away from something. Mm. Um my mum gets locked up for smashing cars up with baseball bats. Wow. Like, my brother, I remember at 14 years old, my brother got pulled up, like, he got pinned up against a wall with a knife to his throat, and then racial slurs were thrown, and it was simply over a water fight. Have like, you experienced a lot of... Um, racism. Racist, racism, yes. racist attacks? Loads. Really? Loads. And the thing is, I, I could openly say that growing up in the UK, in Milton Keynes in particular, in a predominantly white spot, like, not to say it weren't diverse, but we live in England, it's a white country. It's going to be that way right yeah. it doesn't matter how many other ethnicities and cultures come through mm. it was, it's England so growing up yeah I was I was receptive of racism I also didn't realise it was as big an issue until I got to my late teens and then how I was did like, it make you feel when you first kind of went through how old were you when you first went through racism a, a racism yeah, oh, I was like, a racial like my first day at school or... man I was like, so I didn't go to school until like year one. So I didn't go to nursery nine. Right, okay. Year one, got called the N-word. I didn't even know what that was. Went home, yeah. asked about it. Found out what it was. Kept using the word. Called my brother, he got upset. That's going to be another, another they, thing, Honestly, right? there was yeah. better. Going to school was traumatic because yeah. I'd been at home the whole time. No one had explained school to me. Then I go to school and I'm crying every day. Mm. You know what I mean? So like I said, as a kid, incredibly scared. I used to watch horrors as a child. Mm. Yeah, I used to... I was witnessing lots of stuff that a kid shouldn't witness, but then in my head, I had no reference. So it was all normal. So this is when I said, I don't, I don't, I ain't got no traumas. This is normal life to me. Yeah. I was talking about my school life at secondary school, Stanbury campus, which is a wild school. It was a wild school back yeah. then. Like a kid had brought a gun into school. I'd heard about people getting like great. I don't know what we're going to use as a euphemism for that. Rape. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like whatever you want to use as a euphemism, like, there's there was that um, racism again, mm. uh, assault from teachers or two teachers. There was like people I was associated with who I remember we used to hang around at an underpass when I was again like, like 13, 14. And there was this, this teacher who was notorious for being unliked. And I just remember coming down to the underpass and he was on the floor off his bike because he bikes home through the underpass. Yeah. And he's just on the floor. One of the kids is like kicking him in the mouth. Wow. Like, what is happening? But this is all normal. This is my school experience. So when I get to this point where, okay, I'm a bit more deliberate. I'm a bit more intentional. I've got more agency. I, I know who I want to be. Yep. And then I just started the work. But I didn't... So, sorry to interrupt you, but... No, no go ahead. I feel like I was freestyle I... rapping for a <laughs> Before I lose the question, um, that sounds to me like an upbringing yeah. that would turn people that way. Yeah. And you decided to go that way. Post-traumatic so what, growth. So what was it? What was it that you witnessed? And what was it that you decided to say, do you know what, I'm going to become self-aware and help people? Because from what you've just said, which is the first time that we've known each other in four yeah, yeah, months, yeah. I've heard your story. And it's also the first um, time I've been willing to share my story. Yeah. Through, so before, I wouldn't share it through fear of people thinking I'm fake. Okay. Because I don't think people can hold the idea of me being who I am now, yeah. knowing that that is my history. You know what I mean? They'll be like, Which, from what we've just said, yeah. is the just scratching the surface. I'm yeah, sure yeah. that there's a lot Yeah, these more. are just things that I can easily recall yeah. that also... I'm sure it goes quite more yeah, in depth I mean, and darker. I'm 31 years old and like I, there's experiences all the way up until 31. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's still stuff happening. Um what was it that made me... Actually, quick question. Did you go down a bad road before you went on the good path? I said... Nah. Damn. You just went straight. Yeah, it was I'm never... I, I couldn't. I couldn't. It wasn't for... I was too scared when that was like the option for me. When, mm. I was, when it was like, oh yeah, you could be 
I was around people who had access to weapons, who was involved in that kind of stuff, drinking alcohol, like also partaking in other like mind-altering substances. Yep. And I was just never bothered. I remember yeah. being offered alcohol, I was like, nah. I remember getting offered weed, nah. Cocaine, nah. Yeah. I was never intrigued. I was never bothered. And so you started just dealing with your trauma in a different way. I would just, I would have, so that's when my avoidance probably served me best because I was just turned off by all those things. I knew they were bad. And those people pleasing tendencies where I was like, I don't want to upset anybody. Again, probably kept me safe. But I had people like my auntie, my mum. Which mom, I knew about that one, by the way. What are the people pleasing? Oh, mate, I took my mask off three years ago. Is it? I've been wearing a mask my whole life. Yeah, people please. I'd be walking into a room and I'd work out what you wanted me to be and I would become that person. Yeah, yeah, shape-shifting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chameleon. And, and <laughs> and I, just and I, would become someone different, and never now, be my true self. And now I can do that. I've mar- I, I feel like, so you've got code switching, which is something, it's usually used in the context of race and trying to be, to assimilate. So like being a, a black person in a, like a corporate environment, you'd probably yeah. have to adjust your language. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. use urban like I asked you to before this podcast yeah Yeah. so yeah that kind of stuff right so yeah not all our viewers are going to know what gas means yeah or some of them might you know I mean urban people experience mental health as well Uh, so just to be here so yeah code switching which is usually associated with um, like conversations around race people pleasing where you literally are able to identify what the person wants and adopt that but then also this obsession I have with authenticity, I just want to be me. Mm. It's the safest place to be. And I think ultimately, so I don't know if you've seen from my page. It's the less, it's not as lonely. Cause that's what I mm. found when I actually took that mask off and started to be myself, I didn't feel lonely anymore. Mm. I'd rather be vulnerable, yeah. in pain, working myself out than pretending to be someone. Right. Just to suit you. Yeah. Because that's a very, very, very lonely place. It's disconnected. It takes yeah. you away from yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. But one thing I started to feel, the more I did that, was I felt safer. Mm. And safety is really important for me. And I, I'm still trying to figure out why it's so important to me in the degree that it is. But I know that I want well, to be... it goes a, back to what you just said about your childhood. You well, said that you were in fear. I was just a scared dad, kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just so, a scared kid, right? But the thing is... That makes sense. It does make sense, actually. And... The, what I was saying before I digressed was that the people who I guess modeled the behavior was my auntie, my mom, my brothers. They all tried their best to be good people. Mm. They were very compassionate, loving, like aggressively. So the amount of people, like other kids, teenagers who were in my house and we, I basically referred to them as my foster brothers, my foster siblings or my step siblings mm. or whatnot. The amount of people who've come from my house and be like, yeah, man, that's who we are to you. It's kind of like, you're just any guy off the street and it's just because my mom wanted to protect you or my brother wanted to protect you or I wanted to protect you. And that is the theme in my life is that everyone makes a, a solid effort to try and protect people. Yeah. And that's always who I've wanted to be. I've always wanted to be like a guardian or like a, just a protector of some sort, but I was too much of a scared person. Mm. So once I identified who I wanted to be, I knew where I had to go. Okay. And so I was adopting behaviours, I was looking at the behaviour... And for me, again, there was something said... And in, self-love, the core of that. Yeah. Self-love is the core. Yeah, of it's the compassion. It's Allows what, you to branch out. Right. What yeah. they gave me was love. And that was the thing that fueled... And the thing is, love is infinite. It's not, it's not limited. It's not a finite resource. And I feel like some people operate from scarcity where they think, oh, I need to protect these few things that love me mm. because if they go, I've got nothing. And it's like my tendency to think... Well, my... My thought is that if I love myself, I'm just fueling myself. It's like an infinite loop and I can sincerely love myself. There's so much that I like about myself because everything I've done, the way I've tooled myself out, the way I show up is all deliberate. Mm. There's nothing I'm ashamed of currently or rather ashamed of so much so that I don't share it. Anything that I'm ashamed of, I'm happy to just be vulnerable with. Okay, so if someone was to say to you, what is self-love? What does that mean to you? Self-love is treating yourself with love. It doesn't have to be immediately thoughts of, I love myself. Mm. I'm, I'm the person I want to be. You don't have to love yourself at any point like that. It doesn't have to be particularly an intrinsic feeling, but what it does have to be, it has to be a set of behaviors. 
you know that you're not going to kick yourself while you're down. You know that you're not going to talk rubbish about yourself. You're not going to be self-deprecating because that doesn't help you. It doesn't serve you. Yeah. What does serve you is compassion, is yeah. patience, is knowing that you're going to be okay. It comes back to that yeah. faith, right? That faith, yeah, for sure. And Self, go on, sorry. No, I was going to say just allowing yourself to experience. Don't mm. shame yourself for those experiences. Don't yeah. stop yourself experiencing negative things because the experiences are the experiences. You have to go through them. They're there. They're inside you. Don't stop them. Yeah. Let them happen. You're going to be fine. Yeah. If anything, you're going to be better as a result. So it's... Because what I was about to say, self-love to me is having the ability to forgive yourself. Absolutely. For being human. Yeah. Making mistakes. You are human. You are fallible. Not always getting it Never right. Never going to be perfect and that's perfect. It, yeah. Yeah. And I guess respecting yourself enough to implement boundaries yeah. and protect them. And knowing you're going to be fine if those boundaries cost you something. Yeah. If your boundaries cost you a relationship with someone you thought loved you. Yeah. If they did love you, it wouldn't have cost you them. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Like anyone who's offended by your boundaries doesn't benefit by mm. your boundaries. Yeah. If anything, the boundary stops them from taking what it is they valued. And the reason you've got that boundary is because you're trying to protect that. So, yeah. It's so key, isn't it? To, um, it's something I've only learned again in the last few years is, is boundaries and how to implement them and how to stick to boundaries. them. Yeah, boundaries yeah. are amazing. I love boundaries. And a lot of people, again, similar just to say forgiveness. No. <laughs> right, it's just... just distance. No. So I've heard a, heard a quote recently, which is boundaries are the space where I can love you and me. Mm. It's that middle ground. If you cross that, then I've either got to love you more or I've got to love me more. But it's, it's holding space that I can love us both equally. The, there's no conflict in how... I love you and love me. It's also good to, because I had to put boundaries in with um, my parents mm. and it was a way that me and my therapist worked out because a lot of my trauma comes from my adolescence and et cetera, et cetera. And I had to put these boundaries in place mm. in order for me to see whether they, I knew that they were going to, mm. but they would overstep those boundaries. And it's a clear dynamic in a relationship setting when something is confused, yep. they don't understand you, you don't understand them, to say, look, there's my boundary, mm. and to see whether you'd respect it, um, which they didn't. Yep. And I had to, you know, kind of cut that off. That kind of goes back to actually what you were saying, what are the things that I do uh, or tools. have done, the tools, mm. getting rid of toxic people. Yeah. Get rid of toxicity. Yeah. Because it does nothing drain you they are like the chains that hold you back right yeah yeah but i do love a boundary i love feeling safe i love making people feel safe i just love love i think love is like loving yourself like there was something else i said recently which was loving me and loving you is the same thing like if i'm compassionate to you yeah it's because i understand that it's compassionate to me like if there's things that i don't like in other people because i don't like them in me Mm. if it's elements of arrogance or it's that kind of righteousness or narcissistic tendencies or even the invalidation of others. I know a lot of people who invalidate others to validate themselves. It's yeah. that I'm putting you down, which... Made me look good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's rather than, oh, I'm going to elevate, it's, well, by reference, if you're down here, then I look elevated. Mm. So they just put you down instead, instead of stepping up. And I, I know the behaviours I've had in the past, but now I'm pretty self assured i'm secure in knowing that i'm going to be fine again it's that abundance of love i know i'm going to be fine if you step out of my life i'll be fine mm. if i love you and you don't reciprocate it i'm going to be fine i'm not in scarcity i'm in abundance yeah and is that what you're teaching the guys at the man cave is that kind of because i considering that you've mm. sat with quite a few of the lads I've, I've not really got involved and i've not really asked questions about what it is you do to kind of respect yeah. your process and respect them as individuals if they want to if they want to you know talk about it at mm. a meeting great or they want to share them personally great but what is you don't have to use examples of people that have come to you but what is the type of process that you will take say i came to, yeah. to you now and be like look can you help yeah what is what is it that you would take me through what kind of techniques and or how can people who aren't in the man cave that are listening how can they 
tap into some of the things that you teach? So my process is very much individuals, person-centric. So depending on what the person's coming to me yeah. for, depends on the kind of format I'll lay out. But it's not ever like a rigid or too particularly structured some like format. I'll obviously identify objectives with you. One thing that I struggle with with people is they don't know what they want. So mm. a lot of times they're like, I don't know. It's Lost and I, I know I'm here. I just yeah. know I need to be here. And it's like, okay, cool. So then we just start talking. And all I will do is listen and reflect. That's it. I'll listen and reflect. And that's that comes from, I mean, it's a counselling technique anyway. But one thing I've learned is that giving advice isn't always necessary. Yeah. Some people just, again, from the man cave, it's very apparent that people just need to hear themselves say what they need to say. And then you don't always have to validate people, but you can just, reflecting is just, you can take what they've said and say it in a more concise way, or you can extrapolate a little bit, which is, it's also a technique called mirroring, which is where you just repeat their last three words Mm. and they will continue to talk. And what they'll do is they'll talk themselves to a point where this is where my focus is. I've never realised it, but this is where my focus is. Um, And then again, I will highlight what they're doing well and maybe where some of the problem areas are. So, for example, if someone's telling me they've experienced something and they feel guilty for how they reacted at the time or what they're doing now relative to the situation, but there's nothing to feel guilty for, what they're doing is apparent, like is completely fine, then I will highlight why it's fine mm. and I'll also highlight why that guilt may appear. And it might be through their perceptions of this particular attribute, say it's strength. Oh, strength to me looks like being violent and doing this and getting angry and stepping up for myself as opposed to removing myself from the situation and being healthy and protecting my people. So you'd reconfirm the good bits that they are doing. Because a lot of people in their journey do forget that. They they look at how they feel, which I don't believe in any negative emotion. I believe that there are only emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Normally a negative reaction to an emotion. Um, It makes you uncomfortable, but they all serve you. Like all these emotions tell you something. Yeah, but they only kind of what people would class as the negatives. They actually don't reflect and and say, do you know what? I did this well. Yeah. grateful for that yeah so you kind of remind them of the good that is going on in their lives too yeah and you have to observe your emotions as well you have to let yourself feel these things to learn yourself you can't just be like no let me write it off because that's bad that's Mm. terrible let's not deal with that you can't discard any part of you if you want to be whole because it doesn't work Mm. you literally you're trivializing yourself and that's not self-love if you're not trusting your process or trusting yourself that's not self-love you have to trust yourself to make the right decision it doesn't mean you get the win. It doesn't mean it manifests in the way you need it to. It just means, okay, I, with the information I had, I made the best decision alongside my values. This is where I ended up. <laughs> yeah, it stung me. Yeah, it hurts. Mm. I'm not where I want to be. I lost out because of it, but it's who I am. And realistically, that's, you just want to be authentic. It doesn't, you're not always going to have the right answer, but you will have an answer that's right for you. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are looking for the answer now. I knew yeah. I was back in, you know, the, the the middle of my recovery, the depths of my addiction, I wanted it all now. Yeah, I yeah, immediately. To know why? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, why I behave like this? Why, what is wrong with me? Yeah. You know, like, and I didn't allow myself time. The, not, the, not the time that I've given myself this time around in order yeah. to actually go through that process and heal step by step because that's the one thing I've learned about healing. Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. It's not linear mm. and you can only heal where you are. Yeah, you can't heal where you want to be, and you can't heal where you've been. You have to heal where you are. And the other thing about that is, healing where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be right now. Exactly, it comes it's, back to that faith. Yeah, you know, I am exactly I'm, where I'm, I'm supposed here. to be in my life right now. Yeah. I'm here right now. It's about being present, which is another thing. Yeah, that you just have to adopt. You, you learn to be more present when you're healing. Well, I wanted to say on Monday actually, I get so caught up in the future and where I want to be that I forget. Where I am right now is what I prayed for yeah, yeah. five years ago. Yeah. And I need to remember that although I am going through certain challenges and so, you know, I'm still, I am far from where I want to be in terms of my healing. I've got a lot to do a lot of work around. Always you know, we've started. I tapped into my inner child stuff in rehab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way too painful. Yep. You know, now I'm, you know, approaching two years clean. I feel like I'm a bit more you can do, you're stronger more you've got the to tools. approach that. 
Yeah. Um, I've got a long, long way to go in terms of healing and therapy and, you know, becoming a better version of myself. But yeah, what yeah. I do know is I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it's, there's a, I've been flying quotes out today. It's a, there's another quote, which is, the man who loves to walk will walk further than the person who loves the destination. Is that your closing? Because there is a closing tradition on this, which is, what is your favourite quote? So I've got a lot of favourite quotes, but right. I'm a, What is your favourite quote? Okay, I'll say this with before this, we end. This is the one that served me the longest. Yeah. It's the one I've had, and it's the one that always reminds me that we're good. And that is, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. I love that. Just about gratitude. Just be grateful. Love that. Love that. Lloyd, thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, man. Oh, we could do that. We could do that. Your hands are warm, man. My hands are freezing.